Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the fourth part of the series of The Science of Getting Rich. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the other parts, I invite you now to pause this episode, go back to part one, and start there and listen in series as they build on each other. Part one talked all about their, the existence of a deity, a God who desires deeply for you to be rich in order for you to become like him, to experience the world that he's created and to do the most good. And when I say the science of getting rich, of course I mean meaning, fulfillment, and connection and friendship, but I also literally mean the balance of your bank account, having money, having means to do the things that you want to do. Okay. Part two talked all about the role of prayer, true prayer, and how that, what that plays in, in the science of getting rich. Part three was all about gratitude. Today, I'm excited because it's, it's about a topic that blows my mind and I know will blow your mind. So buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> so the fourth part, which is key in the equation that's all part of the science of getting rich, is the understanding that the universe, everything, this earth, our bodies, living things, inanimate objects, everything, was created from a universal stuff. And that stuff is influenced by thoughts and emotions and energy. Whew. <laughs> now, I might have lost some of you people. You might say, well, Stephen, this, this seems far out there. But if you look at, I mean, let's just, <laughs> let, let's take a, a practical approach to this and just kind of build on it. And um, let me start first in, in the spiritual, right? So if you look at every credence, creed, religion, Certainly the Christian faith is this way. There's an idea, a theology of, um, of this concept of a universal creative substance. Now some call this the light of Christ, right? The light of Christ is in and through all things. And some call this a conscience, although that's limited to conscious beings, but it's, it's almost an innate you know, connection with the creator, right? Um, some of this talk about, you know, like the soul or spirit. There's faiths that talk about like everything has a soul, um, you know, e including inanimate objects. <laughs> some faiths, you know, use the phrase, all things were created spiritually before they were created physically, which implies that there's a universal thought substance. Something was thought of, it was designed, it was created first mentally before it could exist in the physical world. Now, that, that's, if, you, if you study any faith, and certainly the Christian faith is this way, you'll see this concept pervasive woven in and throughout scripture, in and throughout the way the faith is presented. And, and I'm hoping that from this episode we can see that it is true, okay? So how does this play out like in the physical world? Say, so, okay, you might be thinking, Look, I, I, I believe I'm a faith, you know, a believer as much as the next guy, but like, how does this have to do with creating wealth and, and creating things in the physical world? Well, I, I come from the energy space, okay, oil and gas, and let's just take the concept of peak oil. If you come from the oil and gas world, you probably recognize this topic. It was popular back in like the 70s. And it was basically this belief was there was economists that were studying the, the consumption of oil in all developing nations. They were also looking at the the charts that showed the production of oil 
in the known oil reserves at that time. And to them, they were really concerned. They said, the consumption is outpacing production and it's outpacing it in such a way that we do not think that we are going to be able to sustain consumption past. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head the year that they initially threw out there, but it was sometime in the 70s, they basically said, we are going to run out of oil and the world is going to be in a world of hurt, right? Everything's gonna go dark. We're gonna have to scramble for a new alternative energy source. Um, and that was what people held on to for years and years and years. Well, as we got closer to that date, an interesting magical thing happened. We found more oil. You say, well, oh, come on. How, how do we just find more oil? How, how does this make it possible? Well, well, certainly some of that is um, maybe our consumption habits. We were able to use technology that's more efficient, so we're consuming less for the same output. Certainly. But if you studied the trends, that, that didn't make <laughs> a huge impact. Uh, it, that made somewhat of an impact. Um, then you say, okay, well, if it's not that, then maybe we got better technology for extracting oil out of the ground, right? Like before we were aware, okay, there's a big pool of oil down there. It's just, we can't, we don't have drill bits strong enough to get it. So therefore we are not counting that in our known um, accessible reserves. And certainly there were technology advances that unlocked known quantities of oil that were not accessed. Um, and, and that did have a material impact. But then the third thing, which is really interesting, is that we also found more oil that we did not know existed. And, and this was all, you know, in the 70s and 80s, and this like just kind of blew everyone's mind, so the economists just pushed that date back. They're like, okay, we bought ourselves 10 more years, we're okay, but we should figure this out. Well, the next decade came and went, and they just kept pushing the date back and back. And then in the early 2000s, you know, we popularized uh, fracking, which, you know, basically unlocked, you know, a whole century worth of hydrocarbons. <laughs> and so my point in saying this is that you might say, all right, well, look, it's technology advances. Yeah, but those technology advances came from people thinking they were wrestling with this concept of this problem of not having uh, you know, oil and so what I what I set forth is that you know in and throughout the earth and universe there exists this universal substance that responds to the <coughs> excuse me that responds to the thoughts of men and women who are focused on thinking of it and so men and women in the creative plane operating from a space of gratitude a space of you know let's let's lift the world, let's make the world a better place. And they're capitalistic, right? They're looking to gain wealth. They're looking to forward themselves and make money. They, they sat and thought, and it wasn't like they just sat. I mean, these were typically people that were experimenting and testing and trying and, you know, studying and things like that. But they, they focused dedicated thought and the universal substance responded, responded with basically visions of better technology. It also, I, I, I set forth that it also organized itself to create more oil reserves. Okay. You say, okay, maybe I can buy that Stephen. Uh, but what about another example? All right. Well, what about, what about the, in the financial space? You know, when you have like a, um, you know, the, just the evolution of a, of a financial system, 
is that when you trade, when you barter between goods, you can only transact a certain amount. And then you say, all right, well, this is not very efficient. Let's use some form of golden standard. Some, you know, all, we'll all carry around gold or silver or something so we don't have to carry around our goods and that, that way we can more easily transact. And then that's, that's okay. That unlocks more transactions and greater wealth. And then they say, well, let's put all this gold in a bank and then we'll print paper that represents that. And then, you know, they, they transact with pieces of paper. And then people say, well, as long as we're using paper and no one's really needing this gold, we can print more pieces of paper and, and issue more loans to stimulate the economy and it grows. And so like the, you know, time and time again, like the financial system evolves and I'm not saying it's perfect. There's some problems with that evolution, but it, it responds to the thoughts and desires of men and women to further economy and further outputs. And so if done in the right way, that evolution of a financial system actually stimulates m more money, like more money is created. And I'm not saying more just pieces of paper are printed. I'm saying actual value is created. Like the GDP, the wealth, the standard of living actually is raised. And so that that's this thought, this notion that like as men and women sit in thought and in effort and struggle and strive, but they sit in a creative plane in gratitude that the universal substance that's in and through all things, it responds to that thought, okay? This is why when someone thinks a lot of thoughts about negative thoughts or I'm not good enough, or you have negative programming, like that'll never work for me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not popular enough. I'll never be wealthy. I will never be successful as a business owner. The universal stuff, it responds to that too. It says, if that's what you're thinking about, it, that must be what you want. And so I will give you more of that thing. <laughs> um, and, and people who, you know, sit and think in a state of gratitude and think on and specifically like you know success in business success in leadership success in your marriage you are healthy and sexy and and powerful and wealthy when you think specific thoughts in that like the universal substance responds to those thoughts and it, it allows you to create that and and i think we can i can generate an endless list of examples both positive and negative that highlight this but the faster that you accept the thought that there exists a universal stuff that is waiting for you to give it a thought to turn into something, then the faster that you can understand that wealth creation and generation is a formula, it's a science, and it's an exact science at that, okay? Like, uh, just another example that jumps to my mind. Stem cells is like maybe the closest example that we all can understand. Like stem cells, while itself is maybe not that universal substance, it acts like it, right? It's just like a pool of cells that are eager to do whatever you need them to do. <laughs> like, hey, you tell us. Like we just exist, we're extra, we don't have a job yet. Like you tell us what you need to do. And so that's why if like a, you know, we're born and we have all these stem cells and then over time, our body assigns them jobs or, or gets rid of them if they just sit there being underutilized the whole time. Which is why like if a, if a you know, infant or someone before like the age of eight is exposed to a new country, a new language, and, and maybe like when they were, let's say they're, for example, we're here in Mexico, our kids are studying Spanish. And so my son is six years old and he's in Spanish lessons and he's not fluent. Like we've been here for six months, but he's, 
picked up words, he can understand things. And, um, and let's say that we were to come back to the United States and just speak English for the next like 20 years. Well, 20 years from now, if he has a desire that he wants to go back and learn Arabic, a totally un unrelated language, he will have an easier time doing that than somebody else. Why? Because when he was six, when he had a pool of stem cells that are like, hey, look, uh, we're wondering what we should do here. We're just eager to help you. And his brain sent the signal to them, hey, as long as you're standing around, why don't you, you know, come up here and stick yourself in this part of my brain that is dedicated to language learning and language development. And they're like, yes, sir, I'm gonna do that. And so they do. Like this is well-documented scientific fact, these stem cells go and they, they start, they form into brain cells. <laughs> they form into the, the cells needed for the mental pathway to strengthen his ability to learn languages. Okay? And, that, and that's well-documented scientific fact. Uh, that's how stem cells work. And it's the same thing um, I mean, stem cells can be repurposed and reassigned to anything. You say, like, if you want to, um, you'll be dedicated to more physical abilities. If you want them to be dedicated to mental abilities or emotional, um, or if you don't challenge it at all and, you know, you put all your kids in front of, like, screens and useless entertainment and they just, like, and they sit there, well, their stem cells are like, well, we're just kind of waiting around and we don't have a job to do yet, so we're just going to start being you know die off and if you don't need us then we won't hang around <laughs> and so that's why like early development so important you know and and like you can cr help your kids create those mental pathways that'll lead to their success but if if you don't do anything and you just kind of drown drown out their creativity with you know senseless media or endless entertainment um then then you know the stem cells just you know they die off and then your you know system kind of just gets rid of the dead cells <laughs> and that's how it works um and, and so that's like a really great example that i think most people can associate with They're like oh stem cells yes i understand it. i've heard of this before well the universal substance is like that like the universe basically has stem cells that are all hanging around there's stem cells like in in the depths of the earth needing you know they're wondering you know, where's society going? How can we be repurposed in the, in the collective thought of man and the collective energy and the collective needs of man act in a real way on that substance so that it organizes and forms into something that we're gonna need. And, uh, you know, I'm a chemical engineer and so in chemical labs, this is true. Like there's, there's different, it's called conformations, which is like the you know, if you have a molecule, it can twist and turn in a certain way. And it does that in a direct response to the energy of the environment is put in. Like, is it positive and negative? How polar is it? Um, cells, like living cells do this, right? It, there's a whole study of epigenetics. And that's the study of cells themselves changing their function based on an external influence. And that influence is in the form of energy. So thoughts, thinking, that is an energetic substance and it has a real material impact on the physical world. So um, <laughs> I know this might sound far out, but there's loads and loads of examples in the world all around us of this happening. And the faster you can realize it, 
the easier it will be for you to change your thoughts to start acting in your favor. Okay, so thanks for tuning in. Um, this this will be the last part of the series where I just dedicate to the science of getting rich. We're going to talk more about these topics in, in coming episodes, but maybe in a more um, a story way or not necessarily dedicated to this formula itself. But thanks for tuning in. And as always, like reach out to me, contact me through LinkedIn, uh, Stephen Barrow, or on Instagram at Barrow Steve. And we'll catch you on the flip side.